0: you can see as the header out of this chapter 6. Uh, the first part of this Bible, uh, the first part of this book is about, uh, it might be called seven uh, chosen to serve or uh, the seven who were called to serve. Uh, they were uh, called, and are called but you are chosen, the Bible says. And this part of the Bible talks about those who were chosen out of the call. Right? So you have the call there, and then you have these seven that are chosen, and then it goes really, really down small, and we see the one who is able to see the risen Lord Jesus as his uh, uh, martyr, and he is the first martyr, and he's chosen to be the first martyr. And isn't it interesting that the man that God chooses to be the first martyr is a man who simply Was appointed to serve the elderly and the weak, and the least, the widows. That God took this man who, you know, there were probably guys who, you know, you know how we buy for jobs, and there's probably guys who who weren't buying for that job, right? Didn't think of it as going to be, that's not one of the three-ball positions. I'm waiting to get, uh, you know, the head of music. The head of worship, and so when they're having the the widow meeting, maybe they just sit in the back. You know, they show up because you know they they want to be there for all of the different fellowships that they have, but they don't really, uh, uh, you know, they don't really put themselves out there, right? You know, I I don't know how exactly they were chosen, but all it says in the Bible is that. The the disciples were being multiplied. They were were growing. Just like in a church, as you can see, you'll have ebbs and flows in the church, and you'll see the church will start to get some momentum. It'll start to get some growing. It'll start to get some success. And then people will be chosen to do certain things. And this is what we see here in this scripture and the, the thing that's significant that I want to read here from Acts chapter 6 verse 3 is that this guy, Stephen, he had something special that took him all the way to the end. And of course, he is just a, what we have to be honest, we have to say is an iconic figure in the Bible. If you're going to have an icon or someone to emulate. But Paul says, be like me as I am like Christ. And if you're here in this place and you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe you know, maybe I'm not the, the biggest, maybe I'm not the pastor uh, material, or maybe maybe I don't really know what I'm called to do. I don't really know exactly what I should be doing in the church. Well, Stephen is someone that you can emulate. Because Stephen, it looks like, was just one of the multiply. There's no other indication in the Bible that he was anything other than that. He's just one of the multiply. He's just a guy who came to the church. And so, we want to look at this, and we want to see what happened with this story this, this evening. Because I want us to be full of the Holy Ghost by the time we here. How about that? Amen. 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 This is what the Bible says. Uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Therefore, brethren, see out among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over his business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. A man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, the Boreas, Nicodemus, Timon, Harmonus and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Let's pray tonight, Lord Father God. I ask, I ask you to pour out a Holy Ghost anointing tonight. And Choose from among us. Lord, I ask you to make us servants. Servants and, and shepherds of your word. Servants and, and shepherds of your church. And I ask you, Lord, to bring, bring power and glory to this small body of believers. So that we may take nations. So that we may take cities. So that we may take family members and, and friends and loved ones we take them the gospel, and they may be saved. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, give us all the power and authority that you give to man through the impartation of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight, through your Son and our Savior, as we commit our lives to him, I say this to you, amen. As I think about this idea, think about the fact that the greatest need for us is just to not view ministry as some sort of program or obligation, Um, that we view ministry as the greatest need here on earth. If I was going to say, hey pastor, what what could I get out of this service? I would say that everyone left here with a desire and the, and, and the heart to be uh, just a, a part of uh, some form of the church filled with the Holy Ghost so that they could spread the message of Jesus and that one somehow we could multiply ourselves in such a way that God could be glorified. That that would be their heart. That's just that simple idea. That, that inside of them, they wouldn't be looking at the ministry as something uh, for others, or something that they can't achieve, or something that's just some sort of, you know, a uh, uh, program. You know, if I do this, and this, and this, you know, then I'll, I'll be okay. Or, or even, even, you know, the other end of that spectrum is, that we see sometimes in churches, especially sometimes with young men, is that, you know, if I do this, this, and this, then I'll succeed then I'll be successful. Because ministry is about the greatest need on earth, and that is to to see souls saved and see lives changed. And to do that, you have to understand that that it's about dealing with people. You you have to deal with with people, all their pride, all their hang-ups, all their idiosyncrasies, their, their habits. Their prejudices, their outright rebellion at times. These are all parts of ministry, you know. And the just so that I can make everyone put at ease, I didn't read chapter six, verse one. It was because I was afraid. I didn't read it because I wanted to leave it for this point in the sermon. But it's it's profound what it says. It. Chapter 6, verse 1 It says, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. And it goes on to talk about the problem and some of the things that they were were rumbling about. They were rumbling about the Hebrews and the non-Hebrews. Now, we, we can talk about the details of what. They, they, the problem-solving that they came up with, and that was, okay, we gotta make sure that, that these weakest of these people are treated the same. That was what the Holy Spirit told them. We have to make it so that there's no distinction between the Hebrew and the non-Hebrew. But that would take years to actually accomplish. We think it happened, just, all they just gave one step, it was fine. Well, we find later that, you know, Paul has to go to Peter and say, hey, you know what, Um, you're kind of acting different in front of the Hebrews than you are in front of the non hebrews And a whole bunch of things that can be worked out over a period of time. Sounds like a church, doesn't it? Doesn't it? If we're honest with each other, it sounds like us. (laughs) Sounds like what we go through. And you know, I'll tell you something. God, through his Holy Ghost, through his Holy Spirit, he does something amazing. He prepares us for this. This isn't in my notes, but I had written this sermon before I left because you guys know me. I'm a planner. I don't like, you know, guys coming up to me and saying, hey, cancer, can we do this? I'm like, yeah, in a month. When you show me that you still remember you want to do that, So, if something is in your earth tonight, it's because God, He already wrote this sermon for you a while back. See, the reason that I bring that up is because ministry is about warring against supernatural powers. There's, there's warfare. You know, we know the, the scripture, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, But... Mighty through God, pulling down strongholds. But the truth is, the ministry implies through that scripture that it's filled with things we cannot do. I've said this to you before. You know, I I've had brothers, I, I've had brothers, even recently, tell me, Pastor, I cannot do that. My son is really into. I can't do that. He's really into it. And I had to walk up to him and say, yes, you can. We can't make people lobby. We can't change people. We can't make people obey. We can't make people surrender to the will of God. We can't make people, you know, see their calling. I used to try to ask God, how can I get them to see their calling? So you barely know your calling sometimes. It's incredibly frustrating trying to accomplish supernatural work through natural efforts. Yeah. It's incredibly frustrating for my son because what my son goes through is he feels good sometimes and he feels bad sometimes. He feels like he can do anything sometimes. And sometimes he feels like he can't even take a car. But he's realizing that he's human. That he doesn't always feel the same. Sometimes he's sick, sometimes he's strong, sometimes he's tired, sometimes he's frustrated. Sometimes he ate well, sometimes he didn't eat well. Right? Sometimes he ate a bunch of junk food. Because he was at church, next to somebody who had a bunch of junk food. Right? Sometimes we need God. Sometimes we feel like, man, whatever I do, no matter what I do, it always messes up. You know, you know, I always mess up. You know, I just, I try to do the right thing, and then it's not the right thing. And I can't, you know, I can't get it done. The truth is that we do. We have human limitations recognize that. Because the apostles, they recognize it. They recognize their shortcomings, their weaknesses, and and they recognize the weaknesses of the people around them, of the church. And so what they looked for was people who were full of the Holy Ghost. Yes, these men had good reputations. Yes, these men were faithful. Yes, they had a a, a lot of uh, things here that you study out and understand These words, and the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know, that was written by a boy. Who you know grew up in the church? Luke, he grew up in the church and he became a he became a man of God, and he was a doctor. He was well educated, Uh, and I always think about well, you know, why you know the the gospels are different. They're the same story, but they're from different perspectives, and so they have differences in them. So Luke is strategically uh, the one that that I've. uh, When I'm studying the Holy Ghost, I I look at Luke. Because Luke, he didn't know Jesus. He didn't write the gospel as if he knew him as a man. He didn't write the gospel as if he knew him. He didn't see him do a bunch of miracles. He saw other men do the miracles. And you know what that means? What Luke needed to rely on? The Holy Ghost. And what you'll find is, in the book, Luke the Holy Ghost is emphasized. And that's exactly what's being emphasized here. See, the question you have is, how do I grow in this supernatural dimension? Well, the way you grow is by having that power imparted in you. The Bible says that it's done by the laying on of hands. Luke chapter six verse eight before he's martyred before all those things happen there's this question that is answered who's going to arise who's going to become the cream of the crop and who it, who it is is Stephen he's mentioned first for a reason and then you know it's not the alphabetical order I checked it all out I tried to figure it out was it youngest oldest whatever no it's, they mentioned Stephen first on purpose and then they mention him again they say and Stephen full of faith and power did great wonders and miracles among the men. So what did he have? He had faith and he had power. See, because you need faith. So many people that I I know, their real struggle is they won't grab hold of faith. See, God does things to encourage faith. But faith is not something that is just given. That's why the Bible says we all have enough. See, what it means is that you only need a little bit. You just need a little bit, and then you grab hold of that. And you're like, mm, weird. Some of you, you've been sitting up here going, "Hey, Pastor, how did that happen?" <laughs> it was God, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, this truth is something that has to happen. It has to go from your heart, not just. Because that's what gets you to, to try to find answers. You need problems. If you never any problems, you would never seek out. God. None of you, not one of you, would never seek out. And if you wanna test that, just take a little baby and keep feeding them. If they didn't get sick, they never stop eating. Truth so is, That's just the way we are. It's the way we will. But, with that being said, one of the things that I have noticed about men that were real men of God is that they they got to a place where they said, you know, I need to study, I need to pray over this, and I need to read about it until I'm convinced. You know, I saw this in men. You know, I'd ask them, well, you know, dude, tell me, tell me about, you know, tell me about how, how do I, you know, how do you get to a place uh, in your faith where you, you know, where you can just boldly go out there and preach? Well, that's be a conviction. Right? Well, it's what the Bible says. That's why I do it. Like, time and time again, the conviction, it didn't come from, you know, they, they didn't tell me some story. Like, oh yeah, it was in, What happened was I was on a trip to the beach and then I was there and a light came down right, and he told me he told me to start praying for the sick. That's not what happened. No, what usually happened was they had a bunch of people in their church that were getting tormented and they had to contend for it. Or the wife was real sick And they didn't believe that God could heal her. And so they had to start to pray to God and ask him, God, you need to build my faith. And the truth is that most men of God that are great preachers and such, this is what they did. I mean, I can tell you right now, uh, one of the reasons I'm doing the Bible study on the rapture is because I began to pray and contend and believe to a place Get to a place where I was case closed. Here's my conviction. This is what I believe. This is what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. And this is what's going to happen when we are all raptured. And I began to pray and read until I was convinced. So you have to do this because this is what creates opportunities for God to move. You know, Stephen, he's not someone that we know about until he had been full of faith and power. So that means that for a period of time, he was just Stephen in church. He was just Stephen there doing his thing. And then he began to be full of this faith and power, and when the opportunity arose, it was an unlikely one, but it was the one that was going to be an element of That is, you know, really, really supernatural. I don't think many of us really understand what it means to be the first martyr. That's the first imitator of Christ. Amen? Do you understand the significance of that? He is the one, not Peter, not Paul, not any of the apostles. It's this little guy, Stephen. It's significant. See God, He responds when we step out of faith. He does things that we just don't understand. He goes to places that we can't do. But we have to go into the areas where we can't do. We have to go into the areas where we could fail. You know, guys, I just want to break this to you, but you know, we can all fail. You have to go into those areas where you can fail. That's why some of us parents, we get mad about sports nowadays and schools nowadays that don't fail. I want you to be convicted. I want you to raise your hand. But see, like, there, there was a point where if you didn't do that, But you have to go places where you, you, you can fail, where you can't go. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 14, as I close, says, Then he took Elijah's cloak and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. How many of you are going to be like Elijah and start... I had to convince myself. My wife, I tell you right now, she's not having an easy time with the Holy Ghost. She was like, "That is poppycock, nonsense!" Right? She said, "I don't believe it. I watch these people. They're they're not. they just they're just saying the same thing over and over again." That was her attitude. The truth is, I shoved down her throat the Word of God said, here, if you can just prove the word of God, then you're right. The truth is, she began to contend. She began to believe God. And all of a sudden, (coughs) she was in her bedroom, you know, calling me up. Oh my gosh, I I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I think it happened. But it was something she had to contend for. She had to be convinced of See, the truth is that what God is calling us to do is the Bible is calling us to be a witness. Stephen is considered the great witness. The great witness of God. And the truth is, a witness is one who has evidence or proof, right? When you go to court and you say, hey, I got a witness, right? If they don't got no evidence, if they don't got no proof, ain't a very good witness, are they? Right? You know, when, when you, know, you got somebody, you know, you don't go to court and have somebody laugh at you, right? And then, you know, the, the, the lawyer asks them, well, what time did that happen? And they're like, uh, they look over at you. Okay. Seven. <laughs> Seven. 42. <laughs> 742, that's right right and sometimes that's how we are though but you gotta want you gotta want to be with this you know I can tell you something the supernatural dimension in your life is not something that God doesn't want to give you it's not something he's holding out on but you know time is not the time to find out you ain't got no bullets and you're done. That's the worst thing that you can have happen to you. So tonight, we can just say to ourselves, you know, we're growing God, I'm growing with you. I I believe you God. I I know what you've done. I know I only got a few things. I only got like three bullets. I know, I know I got three bullets. But God, I want you to multiply those bullets. Pray over those bullets. <clears throat> Maybe your bullet is that you've had God answer a prayer for you. Maybe your bullet is you've seen someone get saved in your life. Maybe your bullet is like a really great one, like I had a miracle. And the word of God increased, and the number of the dead disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. <laughs> See, if you have power to overcome your problems, people will get healed. They will get filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't have enough power to get people saved change and build a church. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed in this place full of power tonight. I believe God can help us tonight. I know he can do this work. There's one thing, though, that will stop the flow of God ultimately every single time, like clockwork. The one thing that will stop the flow